Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me, Lord, just Welcome to episode number two of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. During these episodes, we'll be focusing on evangelism. And what we're trying to do is trying to stir us up to, uh, to love and good works, especially in the area of reaching our friends and family with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker. I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, uh, where I also serve as one of the shepherds. For those of you that know me, uh, you know that I'm, I'm passionate about evangelism, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in, in, uh, in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I've always been striving to learn how to teach, uh, how to fish, how to be a, a fisher of men, uh, how to sow, how to sow the seed, how to make disciples. So the purpose of these interviews is to identify those Christians that are out there in the world, fellow workers who are reaching others for Christ and, and getting to know them, uh, where they are and who they are and, and what they're, how they're doing their work. Of, of leading others to Christ. And we're so excited to have with us today, Brother Rob Disponette. Hello, Rob. Hello, Dan. Good to see you. Uh, Rob preaches for the Knightsville Church of Christ in Brazil, Brazil, Indiana. I had to do that. You know, that, it's kind of corny, but I had to do that. Uh, we, haven't got, we haven't got to interview anybody in Brazil yet, the real Brazil. But uh, He's also one of the elders there, and uh, welcome, Rob, and we're so glad that you could join us today. Dan, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity here. It's a, it's a great honor. Well, thank you. Thank you. Why don't we start out with you telling us just a little bit about, about Rob Disponette. Born and raised outside of West Lafayette, Indiana, and uh, I've been preaching now here uh, for almost 15 years at this location and uh, the better part of 12 at another location before this. So uh, just right out of college, uh, started working uh, for an insurance company and at the same time was preaching, holding down all the preaching duties for a small congregation, again, outside of West Lafayette. And then like I say, about 15 years ago, I had an opportunity to come, to come down here. Well, that's good. And I, I had a, a chance to, uh, to come there and, and do a, a weekend meeting with uh, with you guys and, and it's a special group a lot of really really special people there and uh, and i appreciated that opportunity you know thanks for sharing that and i might ask other questions later about about some of your past but because that, that's one of the things that intrigues me about this i mean we we read the bible and we read about those that obeyed the gospel and we hear about paul and we hear the story of paul and what he did his background right and we read about a cornelius and then we read about a uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and all of, and all of that is is a fascinating part of the story, is the is the backgrounds that we all uh, that we all have, and um, I wanted to, I thought I'd start with this. I had mentioned this to you before, uh, Rob. This is if you can see, can you can you see that? I can see that. All right, this is an article, and I think I had mentioned this when I came there to the group. But if you can see across the top, it was it was. Uh, published in Owen, the Messenger Enquirer in Owensboro, Kentucky. And what year was it? Can you see? It looks like 1960. 1960 on April the 30th. Now, this is kind of bizarre because that's my birthday. And it was in, <laughs> in 1960, so I would have been 14 years old. But I want you to look at the headline. This is Associated Press article, and it's talking about the Church of Christ 
being one of the fastest growing churches in America. Right. Okay. And it, it even says the growth of the church has been tremendous. Can you imagine if we were saying that today or if others were saying that about the church today? And this would just be an opinion thought, but what was going on perhaps in 1960 that's not going on today or what's different from then to today? What do you think, Rob? How, how would you answer that? I think I'd answer it in two ways. Uh, number one, uh, much like some of those who are going to India here recently are finding that with the growth of entertainment and technology and other things to distract people, they're finding that their audience was distracted, uh, had so many other options to occupy their time and their minds. And I think it'd also be fair to say that Christians have also allowed themselves to get distracted and away from a core mission of seeking and saving the lost themselves. And so it's a twofold thing that has, has a common element to it. Yeah, I think so. And obviously we could talk about that for a long time, but I don't know. You know, we talk about revival. It's not a word that we use very often, but the song that we sing, Revive Us Again. And, and we talk about, you know, to the work, to the work. Uh, what's another evangelism song you can think of? Oh, yeah, uh, Send the Light. And lead me to some soul today. And those are all songs that were written by people that I think that understood the principles behind evangelism and that, that it's such an important part of uh, the local congregation, but us individually. It's an individual responsibility that we have because there's people in your world, your family and your friends that I don't know, uh, you know, and, and, and you have influence over those that where nobody else would. And I just think it's such a, an important part of the whole process that we need to uh, to refocus on and try to get people encouraged to uh, to think that way and, and get involved in the work. What, what do you think? And Dan, you're you're really you're really speaking to my heart, and I know that you know that you're speaking to my heart by saying those very things. And that is something I asked early on when we came here. Uh, we had about 42 people uh, when we first arrived here uh, 15 years ago. We're we're double that at this point in time. And, and it's been largely because of the focus and the emphasis that we have tried to instill and, and put in place, which is there has to be an outward reach to lost souls. We're never going to forget about each other. We'll keep going on all the things we do internally to help one another. But there has to be an outward look to lost souls. And if I could just share with you just a bit of my operating philosophy on this. I believe as Christians, we, we all know that we're supposed to be busy doing something. We know the Lord put us here for a purpose, to, to do some sort of work. And really, that work's going to be in one of two directions. Either it's going to be inwardly on the church within itself, or it's going to be outwardly on lost souls. Now, I refer to it as, as either the microscope or the telescope. We're going to use one of the two, a microscope or a telescope. And uh, when we use the microscope, since we know we need to be busy, we'll turn that microscope in on each other and we'll start to examine each other in tremendous detail. And oftentimes it ends up being that case of the, the log in the eye and while, while looking for the speck in someone else's eye, uh, just pulling each other and tearing each other apart. I want to suggest a different model and that is to use the telescope. We look outwardly. We look outwardly to the lost souls. Uh, those folks who are hurting, the desperate, need the gospel. And, uh, I, and I believe it does three things for us when we have that telescope view. Uh, because the first time I presented that to, to a large group, immediately someone came up afterwards and said, are you saying we're not concerned about each other inside, that we ignore problems within the church? And absolutely not, and let me tell you why. 
When we have an outward look to lost souls, it does three things. Number one, it drives us into the Word of God, because if we're going to tell it, we have to know it, and we have to know it well enough to tell it. And as anyone that's ever taught a Bible class knows, it's one thing to read something. It's a whole other thing to realize, I need to be able to explain this to someone else. Yes. And when you learn it so as to tell it, you are learning it on a whole different level. As a matter of fact, every time you hear something, the wheels are turning. How can I turn that around and use that and give that to somebody else? And so every form of learning takes on a whole different dimension when you're learning it to tell it to somebody else. And so there's a lot of problems that just never develop in the local congregation because I've already studied myself out of that problem before it ever even became a problem. And so that's the A number one reason why I think that an outward look to evangelism is the lifeblood of, of any congregation. You're going to learn it at a much deeper level because you're learning it so as to tell it. And, and if I might, the, the second major point of that is this. Not only am I learning it to tell it and being driven into God's word, but secondarily, I am forced then to live the gospel at the highest possible level. Because no one's going to listen to me if I'm not living it out myself. And so my conduct in, in every way, I am trying to control and keep myself under control so that I am telling a story and not inhibiting my own uh, influence out there in the world. And so, again, there's a lot of problems that never develop in the local congregation because not only have I studied it really well, but I'm living it at the highest possible level. And so that, there's another benefit. And the third is right behind it if and when problems do arise in the local congregation, we're all pulling the wagon in the same direction. We're all well, going the same it. way. We all want the same thing, and that is for lost souls to be saved. And so you can come to me and throw your arm around me and say, Rob, you know what we're trying to do here? We're trying to save lost souls. So Rob, here's what I see you doing. Here's what the, the Bible actually says. Now, brother, how can I help you with this? How can we get through this together so we can both get back to the work that we have to do? And that takes on, again, uh, this, this foxhole mentality. You and me, arm in arm, marching on to heaven, trying to bring in as many as we can while we have time and opportunity to do it. And so even church discipline and correction takes on a whole different dimension uh, when that outward look to evangelism is at the heart of everything that we're doing. So... Wow. That's been an operating philosophy for me. It's something I've tried to instill uh, here. Uh, as a matter of fact, every single new person that's either baptized into the Lord's body or moves into the community and wants to join themselves to the, to the local congregation, everyone hears that exact speech right there so that we're all on the same page. Wow. We could spend uh, another interview, and maybe we do that some other time, but uh, yeah, that is so powerful. I, I love the way you, uh, the way you said that. Uh, and I hope it's okay. Even if it isn't, I'm, I'm making, I'm looking down cause I'm making notes. Every time I talk to you and, or hear you speak, I, I learn a lot, but that whole thing of, of how you said that pulling the wagon together and we're all in the fox, the foxhole mentality and, yes. uh, and how, if we learn these things and if we're involved in those things, how it can help eliminate problems before they even That's begin. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is just, and, and that's why, Unfortunately, in some places, there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of tension, and it shouldn't be. That's not that's not what God had in mind, and the way we're supposed to treat each other as brothers and sisters. So, I I just think that is, is so powerful. And uh, you know, you, you mentioned something that made me think of uh, in Second Timothy two two Paul. There he said, "Commit these things 
to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, and that's still, that's still true. Uh, you and I are supposed to be doing that, teaching others and helping equip others to understand what our mission is, what our purpose is. We've got a lot, there's a lot of things, but if we can count, what's the whole thing, kind of keep the main thing, the main thing is keep focused on right. reaching others. And they, these other things are, are side benefits or side works that, that have to be done. I, I grew up in a congregation where the preacher was simply on fire for evangelism. And that's, wow. that's exactly what he was about. And he shared and instilled that with, with others. And even as a child, I, I picked up on that. And I'd like to think I'm keeping that same tradition alive. And uh, you know what? He was, uh, my parents obeyed the gospel when I was five years old. And uh, ju just to give you an idea, uh, my grandmother uh, had been a Christian for many years. My great-grandmother and great-grandfather had been a Christian for many years. About the time my parents obeyed the gospel, my grandfather obeyed the gospel. And I have three younger brothers. They've obeyed the gospel uh, along with their wives. And so there's a, a long-standing tradition here. But you know, that, that preacher, uh, my, my father was uh, in the middle of a remodeling project, and he didn't have time to study. He didn't have time for this. He didn't have time for that. And so, you know, uh, because he's working on the house. You know, the preacher says to my father, he says, uh, he says, about, to, about how much are you working on that house uh, each week? And my father told him, and he said, well, he says, it takes you about this long to get to the uh, church building, and it takes you about this long to get home, and services are about this long. He says, how about this? He says, how about I come out and I help you on, on your uh, remodeling project for about that length of time each week, and you give me that time to come up here so we can do, do the Bible study. Oh, wow. And uh, you know what? My father took him up on that. But that was a creative solution to an objection that a person had. I don't have time. He said, well, if I eliminate that objection, would you? And he did. And you know what? My father and my mother obeyed the gospel. And uh, you know, there's a good, good likelihood that I and others are here today because of that, that same effort. Well, it's obvious. And thanks for sharing that. As I said earlier, stories are what uh, kind of keeps us going. But uh, think about that, uh, the fellow you're talking about that knew how to answer that objection. Uh, wonder where he learned that. Who taught him that? Who gave him that? Who, who equipped him uh, to be able to know how to say uh, something like that? And we need to be able to, uh, you know, I was a basketball coach for a long time, but, you know, we have to, we, there's some coaching that's involved here. We don't usually call it coaching, but it's teaching and equipping and, and helping. It's like we've been talking about in discussions of, of being able to use the skill of uh, somebody says something where you answer them with a question. And how powerful is that, Rob? Because the objection is in the mind of the other person. And what you're wanting to do is to bring those things up to the surface so they can see them in the daylight and be able to answer that, that objection themselves. And you're simply leading them through. It's, it's the very process that Jesus has used, the apostles used. They brought the things in the recesses of people's minds. They brought them out for them to look at it in, in full view. And, and that's exactly what we do. Well, that's good. And I think one of the, you know, uh, Jesus was the master teacher, obviously. And, and he asked questions. People would ask him questions. He would ask questions back to them. But uh, there's so much that we can learn from that. And that's one of the, the fears, I think, that people have in getting involved uh, in evangelism is they're afraid of what somebody might ask and, and they won't know how to handle it. And so I guess that's one of our challenges is to find those that are interested in this and to help them and, and, to, and help them go with them work two by two uh, and go out there and encourage each other. I mean, there was a reason Jesus sent them out two by two there in the beginning. I think when you, when you marry that, that very natural logical system, when you marry that with a heart that's just on fire 
that is, that's full of, of the love of the Lord and a desire for his purposes. It's amazing. Anything that you're on fire about, uh, you find a way to be convincing to somebody else. And it doesn't matter if it's a great sale down, down at the local hardware store or whatever. <laughs> if you're on fire about it and you believe in it yourself, you find you find a way. Well, uh, thank you for that. But you're you're right. It takes we've got the truth. I mean, yes. uh, and and so it has to be uh, coupled with a desire on our part, and like you say, to be on fire. Uh, that's our theme this year at Creekside: is hearts on fire. You know, uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, I can't believe the clock, but we're we're already down to just a few minutes to go. And what we like to do on these interviews is, uh, in the last little bit here, I'll give you the floor, if you will. And, and you've heard of one thing, you know, what, what's one thing? So I'm going to ask, what is, if, in talking about evangelism, what would you share with others that are going to be listening to this? What would be one thing that they need to focus on in leading others to Christ? I'm going to say that I think the biggest thing that we need to have is belief. You need to truly, deep down, with every five-year being, believe that the gospel is still as effective today as it ever has been. We still have the same problem that, that's existed since Adam and Eve, and that is sin. And there's still only one answer to that, and that's God's Word. And right now, the gospel is what, what we have, and that's what we work with. It's our one tool that we have to answer that major problem. Jesus told people, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. And yes, specifically back then, they might have been talking about those who are under that Jewish system and how heavy that was on them. But you know what? The sin problem fits right in there, too. We have people in pain. We have people in the pain of sin. And we have at our disposal the cure, the antidote, the serum, the salve that takes care of the pain problem. And any person that is in enough pain is going to want the solution. We may even shop around for the best prices on things, but when we're in excruciating pain and we're hauled by the ambulance into the ER, I don't know any person excruciating pain says, hey, first, what's this going to cost? Right. We just want the pain to go away. And when we as Christians are okay stepping in and not minimizing somebody's pain, but allowing them to feel that pain so much so that they're willing to change from what they're doing over to what the Lord wants them to do, to utilize the pain, to move to the solution. Jesus talked to the woman at the well, and he basically asked her, do you like coming out here to draw water every day? I mean, that, that's the unstated question. That's but true. he drew that out of her mind. No, it was hard. It was laborious. It was daily. It was a grind. And what's he say to her? You know, you spend time with me. And I'll give you water that when you drink it, you'll never thirst again. And what does she say? I mean, that registers, that hit her pain right where she was. And immediately she says, give me this water. Yes, yeah. And that's where we want to be with the gospel. Skilled enough with the gospel itself and listening to someone's pain, comfortable being in that moment to then bring in the gospel to answer that pain. And when we do that, you have someone who is very interested in the gospel. Right. That's so good. And then thank that just to build on that, the thought that came to mind is look what she did with that little bit of information that she had. She goes running back in, leaves her pot. It, it goes back in town, tells everybody to come out here. Is this, is this the one, is this the Messiah? That's right. And she, and all those people that are led to him, look how she led others to Christ. Right. That's uh, it. That's yeah. It. It's just, it's just so powerful. 
Dan, could I share with you uh, real quick something that we're doing here at Knightsville that's been Absolutely. very, very effective for us? Yes. Uh, you know, you came and you presented your, your weekend series, and out of that, the elders sat down and tried to figure out, since we had so much momentum built up coming out of that weekend, how could we best utilize that? And what we decided to do is to begin what we refer to as our Go Sundays. And so we've trained and prepped for this. And what we've done, we've taken the second Sunday of each, of each month and the afternoon. Initially, we actually replaced our Sunday evening service with this. And now we've actually, we're doing both of them. But we get together in the afternoon. We break up into what we refer to as our Go Teams. And we're actually going out in the community. We're, we're doing, uh, those who are comfortable with it, we're going door to door, knocking and introducing ourselves and telling something about uh, the congregation and allowing people to know that, hey, we are here, we're interested in you, this is what we do, and, and could we pray for you right now? Is there some need that we could fill? Uh, would you be interested in a Bible study? Whatever the situation calls for is what we're doing with that, with that particular uh, GO team. And so that's one thing that we're doing, but that's only, that's only one of the GO teams. We have those who are going out in the community and we're taking uh, little flyers and any place that has a bulletin board, uh, whether it's a local laundromat, grocery store, uh, we've made up what we call little table tents. And if a restaurant will allow us to put it beside the cash register and that, that little flyer announces what this fourth Sunday morning sermon is going to be and what next fourth Sunday sermon is going to be. And those topics are always something that I uh, attempt to make that's very pertinent to someone who's maybe very, they're not certain about anything spiritual wise, but it's, uh, but they're maybe seeking. It's things like, I need peace in my life, or how could I even find the truth? Uh, things like this. We, we've had results from both of those, from both of those efforts so far. Uh, those are outward evangelism. We have a team that's doing inward evangelism. They're working on strategies and encouraging each other how they can work with some of the unbelieving spouses of some of our members. Uh, they're purposely setting up times where they can have them over for meals or to interact or to work on that. Uh, they're going through the list of uh, prior visitors, uh, those who have fallen away. And whatever it is, they're looking for ways and avenues over the next month how they can reach out to those people. Uh, they're following up with visitors cards and, and many other things. We have one group that goes out to the local truck stop and they literally put up a sign. They pick a table, set up a sign and saying Bible studies here and, and inviting people to, to come over. We've done that once and we had one couple come over uh, to talk to us. Uh, again, one for one. That, that's not too bad for an hour and a half of sitting there. Uh, I, I take those odds. Uh, we've even got the children involved in it. Uh, we have them making up little things for the local nursing home, and each one of them has some sort of Bible verse or something on it to, to sort of uh, to open the mind, prick the mind, uh, maybe not of the person in the nursing home, but maybe the relative that comes over and sees that hanging beside their bed. Uh, so the children are even involved in it and sending out things to some of our sick and the shut-ins, doing that internal evangelism to, to, encourage, to encourage them. So... Uh, and then another simply goes out trying to remove barriers for any of our, our members who uh, maybe haven't uh, been around for, for a while. They've sort of are sort of dropping out or maybe they got an ailment or something. Uh, they've done everything from uh, build a ramp for, for one, one person to, to going out and visiting someone that just hadn't shown up for a couple of weeks. So these are some of the efforts that, that are happening on this Ghost Sunday. And, uh, and it's really, really paying dividends for us already. Just 
we know we're supposed to work. And you know what we're doing? We're going out and work. We're being true to the tradition uh, that at the shoulders of those uh, on whom we, we stand. And that is to go and to teach. And, that, and that's precisely what we're trying to do. Well, I, I'm just, uh, I'm so proud of, of all of you uh, of, of doing that. And the example that you're setting, uh, again, uh, that's why I wanted to do interviews like this. Uh, because look, look at all the people out there that have not heard that, uh, Rob, and, and that would go, oh, wow, that's incredible. We could do something like that, right? We could do something like that. Um, it's, it's really a revolutionary, uh, revolutionizing the, the life of the congregation. It really is in so, so many ways. Not that we're doing poorly before, but this has just taken things to a whole different level. And I, it's, it's one thing to take a bad situation and make it good. It's another thing to take a good situation and make it great. And that's precisely what we're trying to do in, in our time. This is our time, and we're trying to take our time for the Lord right now. Uh, not just so many things there. Uh, all right, there's people going to be watching this, and they're going to go, you know what, I'd like to talk to this guy. I'd like to talk to Rob Disfrenet. Could you share with us of ways that uh, our audience could get in touch with you? Oh, sure. Uh, the KnightsvilleChurch.org, uh, all, the, all the information is, is on there. Uh, if you'd like to hit me up on Facebook, it's Rob Disfinette and live here at uh, Brazil, Indiana. Uh, or you know what, they can probably uh, go through your site. I imagine you're going to have some things yeah. out there, too, that could probably uh, contact that way. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I, I know we're going to have people that are going to want uh, to hear more about, uh, about what you're doing there. And uh, this has just been fascinating. And as you can see, you know, uh, and I know how your mind works and you know a little bit about mine, it's just other side conversations that we can have. Time just doesn't permit. But that's what we're trying to do is if somebody could watch this and come away with this one thing, one, you know, your microscope or your telescope or your, or your Go Sunday or your uh, any, any number of these things, then their, uh, their 20 or 30 minutes here with us would have been well spent. So, Dan, it only takes one. It doesn't have to be the preacher. It only takes one. And if you're in a congregation that's just sort of flatlined right now, I'm going to encourage you. Talk to those who, who can. Try to encourage them in evangelism. But you know what? You go do it. You go fish. And, and you show people that someone's fishing and you bring in a catch. And I'm telling you, others will, will catch the, they'll catch the spirit as well. It's what that's we're like, built for. It's like it's contagious, right? Yeah. And, and that's what, and, and that's a good word to use in this uh, 2020 with all this coronavirus <laughs> going on. But, but anyway, uh, Again, we're going to conclude this, but thank you again so much for spending this time with us and uh, look to look forward to talking to you again soon. And, and God bless you and, and the group there at, at Knightsville for what all that you're doing in helping lead others to Christ. So thank you so much, Rob. And, and God speed to you too, Dan. Thank you, brother. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.